Welcome to another edition of You and Your Money. I'm Brian Hirsch. This evening, we're focusing once again on estate planning. The Department of Justice IC system, which includes the Master's Office, was attacked by ransomware on about the 5th of September and have been offline ever since. There's been no indication as to when the system will be restored and the Master will not issue any letters of executorship manually. One can only apply for letters of executorship once the system has been restored. Joining me this evening is Harry Joffe, Head of Legal Services at Discovery Life. And in the Zoom room, glad to welcome back Gordon Stewart, Managing Director of Cura. Harry, welcome. Gordon. Gordon, let me start off. I've done this now a few years in a row. Congratulated you on a Cura winning the award for mid-size, uh, uh, global mid-size uh, trust company. Congratulations to you, Gordon. I mean, for the last few years, we've actually shown the, the, the actual uh, award and the, the little... Uh, um, the trophy. The trophy, yeah. So congratulations to you, Wari. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, we, we, we're so happy in the, you know, to have won it four times out of the last five years um is is a really incredible achievement and what we really appreciated is that you know the, the industry is recognizing us for our forward thinking in the in, you know in this in this industry super Gordon, we, 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 there, there is a question, some, some, some controversy, which I want to clear up a little bit later. But let me just first discuss with Harry, Harry, your question. I mean, the Master's Office is not just about letters of executorship. The Master's Office plays a role in many, many activities to do with trust. What has actually happened? And, and, and just, just share with us the problems that one's going to face. Right. So good evening, Brian. Good evening to our viewers. And a special welcome to our three new viewers. I've brought three new viewers on board, Brian, who will hopefully be enjoying the show. But, but seriously, this master's issue is a huge problem. And I don't think people realize just the extent how it affects the average man in the street. So I'll give you two cases we're now sitting with, and it just shows you the, the problem. Case number one, life assured client of ours had just died. By mistake, they nominated as a beneficiary their estate. Now, of course, because of the chaos in the master's office, you can't have a, an executor appointed at this stage. So there's no executor, there's no estate. There's no one for us to pay the money to. So we can't pay out the proceeds of this life policy and we won't be able to pay out for the foreseeable future because there's no one to pay to. So the poor client's family are now sitting without the money from this policy because we can't pay out. We can't even pay out the funeral benefit for the funeral because there's no one to pay out to because again it's their estate. That's the first problem. Second problem, Brian, which is something you'll identify with. We've got a couple of cases now where there's a policy or an investment owned by a trust. Now one of the trustees has died because of COVID there's only two trustees in office, not three. And that trust now can't transact because of what the requirements are on the trustee. So they want to surrender their policy with us or their investment with us. They can't because the trustees can't act until there's a third trustee appointed. They can't get a third trustee appointed because the master's office can't appoint trustees. So those trusts are now frozen. Now, third case, I mean, there's a lot of issues around insolvencies, around liquidations, which the master's involved in. The master can't do that. I'm not even sure how it's working with beneficiaries now that have to be paid from beneficiary funds, from guardians funds, from all things like that. Apparently the master has said they are somehow making payments. I'm not sure if that's actually happening. But you can see things have just ground to a halt. And uh, I mean the obvious case, and we've got a lot of these, individuals died. His widow is now obviously the heir to the estate and trying to run affairs. The individual, and we've even got a question from a viewer on that, has left a business behind. No one can run the business because there's no executor appointed. What happens to the business in the interim? The bank accounts are frozen. How does anyone run their, their affairs? 
So Brian, I think our job here is to try to provide solutions for our viewers, not just to complain. So please, if there's one thing our viewers remember from tonight, forget everything else Brian or Gordon says. If there's one thing they remember, please, they must go back tonight and they must check all their life insurance policies, all their group life policies, any life insurance, any endowment policy, anywhere where there's a beneficiary, please check that you have a beneficiary on and it's not going to end up in the estate. Because if it ends up in the estate, you're looking at months <coughs> now before it gets cleared. Yeah. And, and, and Gordon, uh, e even, a, I mean, Harry, what's going to happen is that when the master's office eventually opens, they've been so snowed under over the last 18 months, yes. it's been difficult to get any answers out of their office anyway. Yes. So we just now got a further backlog and which files are they going to deal with? So, I mean, this could take months to resolve. Yeah. I mean, really, the master's office was battling before this because of COVID. They've been swamped with cases that they had never had in their life before. Now they're going to be swamped again because of the cases they couldn't get to. I mean, yeah, we literally could be looking at six months before executives start getting appointed. And what happens to all these poor people with deceased estates who now can't get on with their lives? They can't uh, open bank accounts. They can't get finality. They can't take over businesses. How are we going to pay out this life policy? Are we going to sit for six yeah. months and we can't pay out? Gordon, a question for you, because there is another concern that relates to an article that was published by Business Tech, where it said that because of the change in tax laws in Mauritius, people with trusts in Mauritius might need to apply for VDP. Uh, wh what was that all that about, and can you elaborate? Hi, evening, Brian, and uh, you know, once again, thank you for inviting me uh, back to the show. You know, I'm looking forward to, to being back in the studio soon, uh, now, now that I'm able to travel. Uh, the the borders open on the 1st of October, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to coming back and sitting between you and, and Harry. Yeah, so on the 17th of September, Business Tech uh, published an article titled Bad News for South Africans with Cash uh, Stashed in Mauritius. And this article caused a lot of concern, both in South Africa and internationally. So thank you. I, you know, I'd like to use this opportunity just to, to put the record straight. So first of all, the article was factually incorrect as you know, it made the following claims that Mauritian trusts will no longer be exempt from tax in either Mauritius or South Africa, that South African residents could, in the past, that a South African resident could file a declaration of non-residency and be exempt from tax in Mauritius. Uh, any income derived from Mauritius trusts uh, that are no longer exempt will be disclosed to SARS and that the prudent approach would be to apply for VDP. So, I mean, it was a real horror story. Um, so I'd like to just quickly put the record straight. So first and foremost, provided that the settler of the trust is not a Mauritian resident and that the majority of the beneficiaries are not resident in Mauritius, then the trust will not pay any tax on its foreign source income or capital gains. Second of all, it's not the South African resident that's, uh, that's uh, filed the declaration of non-residency. It was actually us as the trustees in Mauritius. Um, the changes made to the Mauritius legislation have got no bearing or consequence on SARS. Um, Mauritius is not on any OECD watch list for tax matters. Uh, there's no provision in the Mauritian fiscal laws that state that any income which has not been exempted should be disclosed to SARS. Uh, the exchange of information uh, framework has not been changed in any way. 
So there's no need to go and apply for a VDP just because of the changes that have been made here in Mauritius. So what I'd like to say in conclusion is please do not pay any attention to this article and rather read the article titled the Economic Development Board of Mauritius provides clarity over taxation of foreign investments. And this was published on the 22nd of September. Uh, Gordon, just for many of our viewers who may not uh, understand, just clarify VDP, Voluntary Disclosure Program. Uh, the Voluntary Disclosure Program. So that's if an individual feels that they are in breach of the tax laws, uh, as, as opposed to waiting for SARS to approach them, they can make the first approach to SARS. And that, and that, the, I mean, that's still in our act. I mean, still in our tax act, Harry. Yes, yeah. uh, it's a permit yeah, feature correct. in yeah. the tax act. Yeah, it's yeah. Never yeah. Gone away. Yeah, well, correct. Well, following previous programs, we had a lot of questions asking what are the advantages of using an endowment policy. I'll give some reasons. Firstly, you don't need a will. You don't need a will because you have a beneficiary. Uh, at this stage, you'll avoid inheritance tax. It's lower taxes because of the uh, different taxation on policies as compared to your own. It protects against creditors after periods. Um, 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 internally after incepting the policy and you do not need to account to SARS on a yearly basis. Um, Harry, your, your comments, any, uh, any further comments? So, I mean, Brian, I mean, you've obviously summarised the, the major issues there, but I mean, let's just bring it back into a practical world. I was dealing with a client this morning who's sitting in South Africa and he's got bank accounts all over the world. So he's got a bank account in the Isle of Man, for example, with quite a lot of money in and he wants to invest the money. Now I'm saying, Tim, you've got two choices. You can obviously invest the money in the Isle of Man and buy unit trusts or shares. But of course, when you die, you now need a will in the Isle of Man. You now need some kind of probate in the Isle of Man. And if you've got a South African will, getting it recognized in the Isle of Man, as Gordon will attest to, is not that simple. So what we're going to do for him, he's going to put the money into one of our offshore endowment policies, still buy units or mutual funds in that policy. He nominates his family as a beneficiary. Now when he dies, he's got no probate issues in the Isle of Man because the policy doesn't sit there. It sits in Guernsey. And because he's nominated a beneficiary or beneficiaries, there's no will, there's no probate issues at all. And this individual is in a very fortunate situation. He acquired that money before he came to live in South Africa. So he's actually not even going to pay a state duty in South Africa because it's money acquired pre-becoming resident in South Africa. So the 41E state duty exemption kicks in. But I mean, the point of the endowment policy is, because of the beneficiary nomination, you avoid the real problems of probate and wills in foreign countries. And as you said correctly, you avoid the CITES tax issue in many countries. So instead of, this individual's got money in the UK as well, so instead of buying a share or an ETF in the UK and having a CITES tax there, he's going to buy an endowment policy through our Guernsey office, he's going to then buy units in the endowment policy, and he avoids probate and CITES tax in the UK. And, and Gordon, I mean, you certainly can uh, use an endowment policy in a trust or leave those benefits directly to a back, uh, bottom door trust. Yeah, exactly. I, th I think, you know, just, just to play the other side of the coin, I think, first of all, I have to go on record to say that I agree. You know, endowments do play a very valuable role in offshore estate planning. Uh, but I think it's also important for everyone to know that, so with regards to the tax, uh, it should be remembered that endowments are still linked back to SA uh, for income tax and capital gains tax purposes. Uh, the endowment will still be an asset uh, when determining estate duty tax in South Africa. And then kind of linked to what you've just said now, Brian, is that if the beneficiary is under 18, then they won't be able to receive that inherit inheritance. So I think the question is what happens now? 
Um, so I think to get a, to to avoid that that possibility or that situation, that's where the bottom draw trust fits in so well. You nominate the bottom draw trust as the beneficiary of the endowment instead of a minor child, and the funds will then pay into the trust as pure capital, which the trustees can then invest and then make capital distributions to the beneficiary. Yeah. And, and look, if you want, I mean, if, 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 if we're losing you a little bit in terms of this particular product, talk to your financial advisor. I always, but we're going to take a break now and we'll be back shortly.